Okay, this is the sort of the third part of the trilogy that uh, we spoke to sort of elite level athletes about the, the mental health and psychological challenges. Obviously, uh, as you know, I spoke to Andy Pete, an elite level uh, centre forward in football. I spoke to Jamie Moore, uh, elite level boxer. So I'm really, really looking forward to speaking to Paul Hyten, who's an elite, he's been an elite level rugby league player. Many thanks for coming on, Paul. No, you're more than welcome. Uh, just to start, just, just as I said to sort of Andy and, and Jamie, Paul, is there any chance you can just give us a little bit of a brief overview of your of your journey or into into pro rugby league? Yeah, uh, well, I started playing rugby uh, at the age of eight, and it was literally just turning up and playing with my mates. You know, I was uh, I was in a pathway. I was in the swimming. That's what I was into before I started playing rugby. But um, I had quite a bit of pent up uh, aggression, a bit of frustration. And you can't really do much with it in a swimming pool. Uh, so my dad took me down to a, a rugby training, and yeah, and it, it took off from there. And it literally was never even thought about turning pro. It was just something that uh, I enjoyed doing. Um, wanted to be a PE teacher. That's what I wanted to be all along. And then it was one game I got scouted by Wigan, um, and everything just changed. The whole mentality that you know this could go somewhere and sort of started to step it up a little bit and take a little bit more pride in what I was doing yeah. and uh, yeah I got the opportunity to sign for Warrington Wolves when I was 16 um, and then I was just about to sign and then got asked to go for trials for Halifax and two of my friends Justin Harris and Ian Knott had just signed at um, Warrington and I got the opportunity to te- uh, trial at Halifax and thought it's a good chance for me to go the other side of the hill and kind of carve my own sort of journey out now mm-hmm. uh, I've been with these guys all my my youth so yeah. I thought it was a good time to go over there yeah. so yeah signed for them stayed there to, for three years and then moved over here to Salford Red Devils yeah. and stayed there yeah, for the rest of my career then so so coming coming through your schooling Paul was your school I presume very supportive of your rugby league sometimes you get schools that are just very predominant on yeah. football so yeah. uh, did, did, did you find was it yeah, difficult massive. to play yeah no they were massively supportive yeah. our, our deputy head teacher um, Ian McCorkadale was an ex-pro rugby player uh, and he was the town team coach as well at the time, and he was doing some work with Oldham uh, Bears, as they were called then. Um, so, yeah, he was really supportive. We was in all these English schools, cups and stuff like that. So, you know, every Wednesday we'd come in, we'd have breakfast, and then that was up out of school then. It was taking, we was all over the country playing rugby. So he was a, he was a big driving force in, 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 in all that, really, just, just giving us that ability to play as often as we could, which... You know, it's sad to see there's not as much as that about now in in, uh, mm. in schools, especially oh, in rugby yeah. league. Yeah, yeah. So, so just coming sort of out your school and like, did did you go into like it was it an apprenticeship, Paul, that they offered you? Uh, like no, because back then, although we was pro, we was classed as professionals, it was part time. So you trained like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning, played on a Sunday. So I left school and went training to be a quantity surveyor. Right. Okay. Uh, so couldn't be further removed from being a, a PE teacher at the time yeah, sure. um, but yeah I was doing that and then when Super League kicked in and everybody went full time uh, I parked the studies mm-hmm. with the aim of going back next year and then it was always next year and I'll do it next year and never yeah. went back Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a you know that was a regret but yeah grabbed the opportunity with both hands mm-hmm. to go full time and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that, that was in 90 what was it been now 96 yeah yeah we all went full time so so when you come in full time Paul was you like you training with different age groups or was it sort of like yeah, you had like you sort of under 18s and then you sort of gradually sort of work your way up into the first team how, how did that pan out yeah, for you yeah no it was uh, it was strange because back then if you went they offered me a full time contract so even though I was still playing academy I trained every day with the first team so I trained first team with the guys with the men so mm, to speak yeah, yeah. but I played my rugby with the, uh, with the young guys so that kind of transition from academy to, to first team 
although I was training around the guys who were 10, 12 years older than me and a lot more physically astute, um, that that jump was still quite a lot. So that was that was a, that was a big challenge for me, really. So, so that like making that jump with first team lads. What, what did you? Can you give us any sort of specifics? Like, sort of what, what were the challenges there? Or was it like your physical, your psychological? Like? A bit of both. A bit of both. I think physically, um, I was behind uh, purely just because of how old I were. You know, yeah. I made my debut at sixteen, um, and the guy, you know, playing against guys who maybe got two, three hundred first team yeah. games under the belt, some international. So that was a. That was a challenge. But physically, you know, I held up in that respect, but it was the pace of the game that I really struggled with. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, I then started to question my fitness. Am I doing enough? Do I need to do more? And in in, in retrospect, you know, that, that was... I'm, I'm glad I had that mentality. I'm glad I had those anxieties and those nerves because that's what helped kind of drive me on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. But what I did find was when I left Salford... Uh, sorry, Halifax to come to Salford, I was 18 when I come here. And the next closest... To my age was twenty four, so that was although it's only four years in. Sorry, twenty. Uh, yes, yeah, so six years. My maths is terrible. <laughs> six years in general, it was a massive, massive jump. Not not in physicality because I'd kind of reached like yeah, adulthood, yeah. so to speak. Then, but yeah. mentality wise, so yeah. these guys were married, they had kids. Yeah, they had, yeah. So I found myself doing what stuck the stuck kind of stuff that these guys were doing. So even yeah. though I was only eighteen. You know, by the time I was twenty-one, I was married with kids. Right. You know, okay. I was having the uh, Disneyland Florida holidays with yeah. the kids, where my mates are still going to a beef. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I kind of lost that kind of childhood a little bit in yeah, that respect, yeah, which yeah. we'll talk later on. Sure, I think yeah. with some of the question, but that yeah. kind of played out later in life. Yeah. For me. Yeah, um, yeah. So I found that that kind of adjustment, but again, in retrospect, it was good. It was good for my it was good for my career because yeah. I had a, I had old head on young shoulders. Uh, and that kept me focused whereas my mates were all still going out every weekend and you know midweek drinking I couldn't do that because of my career so mm-hmm. it, you know it did have its uh, did yeah, have its place yeah. so it, it sounds like I spoke to a couple of the other guys as well who's been on the podcast and it's almost like growing up quickly isn't it because yeah. you have to and, and it, I think one of the things that came up in, in one of the early ones was it's almost that adjustment the rugby league lads do you have to sort of gain acceptance trust off the sort of senior players yeah. how, how did you find that was that difficult to it do well yeah you know, first time I walked into the changing rooms I put my me, me clothes on the peg and uh, sat down I was just lacing my boots up and a guy come in and said you sat in my spot I said alright oh, right. so he moved me I moved down three three pegs put my clothes yeah. up again somebody else said you're in my spot so I moved my clothes across the way and I sat on the physio bed and somebody came in and said what are you sat there for I said, well, I've been moved from there, there, and there, and they said, well, why don't you think, don't you think you should f off down the corridor into the into the away changing rooms until you've earned your first team stripes, oh, yeah, sure, and then yeah. you can come in here. Yeah, yeah. And it, in a way, yeah, there were it was a, it was quite brutal. Yeah, yeah. But that set that kind of gave me the respect that you know what I do have to earn this guy's respect. Whereas I think that's lost a little bit in our sport these days, and maybe mm. sport in general. Yeah. You know, especially in our sport, there's a level of ex- expectancy now. Yeah. As soon as some of our kids get a squad number, they think they've made it. Mm-hmm. You know, I spot them a mile off. They get a full sleeve tattoo. They yeah. get an A class Mercedes and an agent. <laughs> and I think, what's the? You know, you've not done anything yet. Yeah. So, yeah, things have changed a lot in that respect. Yeah, so you did yeah. have to earn your stripes. You had to earn your respect. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. You... So, so coming coming through sort of into your into your first team, Paul, and getting your your career kind of off and running. What what would you say is, is like the sort of the the most difficult times or the, the sort of biggest psychological challenges that, that you faced as you as you sort of journeyed through? 
Um, as I look back, you can join dots, can't you, when you look back? There's sure. a couple of things, you know, I, 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 got, I was lucky enough to get picked for Great Britain. I went on a tour um, and the hype I was getting around that tour, you know, there were some Australian clubs looking at, at trying to sign me and, a, and Auckland Warriors. And then the second test, I did my knee in, so that was my tour done, gone. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how you went from all these people wanting to speak to you to then suddenly kind of cast to one side and, yeah, you just get on with your rehab now, that's your tour done. So trying to rebuild myself from that um, again there was no pressure on me it was pressure I was putting on myself you know I think I started to believe a little bit of the hype whilst I was over there and thinking as you do you start thinking ahead oh I could make a career of this in Australia which is their Premier League sort of thing and then obviously you're injured and you've got to start again so that that was difficult um, and then the changing of clubs you know that was a that was a difficult because that wasn't on my terms you know Halifax yeah. wanted to cash in on me um, and, and sent me over here and just that starting again and like I said that age gap between me and the next youngest person to me was huge so trying to trying to sort of build bridges and trying to get into everybody else's kind of way of thinking was difficult um, and then probably the latter of my career when I, I smashed my arm um, and it was at the wrong end of my career you know if I'd have done that when you're 21 you bounce, you bounce straight back whereas I did this at like 30, 31 you start thinking then and I think that's what kind of that was a catalyst for me trying to get the next phase of my life up because sure, I think yeah, you do yeah. as a sportsman you go you go through a period of not denial but you think yeah. it's going to last forever you think it's you know you're bulletproof and then yeah. something like that happens and it's a real level yeah yeah I think injuries like probably one of the worst in sport Paul yeah. especially when you're sort of flying and you've, you've you've managed to nail down a first team place that you've done and was, was you out for quite do you have any like severe injuries that, just that one really yeah. on the arm it was like 16 weeks yeah. I was out with that um, and I came back early because they were saying because I had um, I broke the radius and the ulna yeah. and they both came out so it was a compound as well so it was a it was a bad one and after that, I came back physically, probably the best Nick I'd ever been in. But mentally, I was shot because I, I was I was scared with it being uh, such yeah. a physical sport. The sure, thought of yeah. throwing it into a tackle or sure, just falling yeah, and landing yeah, on yeah. it. So I had to do quite a bit of soul searching now, and I went to see quite a few people. I did some sports psychology. I went yeah. to see a sports hypnotherapist. Did quite a lot on the the other side of sport. You know, the mental side of it. Sure, and, yeah. You know, it, it worked, and that that definitely changed my whole perception of of how much work you have to do off the field when it comes to your performances as well now was it difficult Paul as well like you didn't feel a part of the group anymore is it, is it see like I'm just sort of relating this to football a little bit I'm you know, not saying football treat you badly or anything but you're banished a little bit on your own when you and they don't really they don't really like to see injured people around dressing rooms and yeah. stuff like that and I think I found that like a quite a big problem when they had my back sort of situation yeah. so uh, any any thoughts on that Paul were you feeling that or um not so much of the not part of it because um, I think that's that's up to you as a person you know you can either you can either continue being who you are and still force yourself around the guys or you can isolate and yeah I isolated for a little bit because I was pondering that you know is my career over and we're going to come back but then you know I had to throw myself back in and I, and I had a good group of guys who brought me in and but I do see people who go that way you know who, who they train alone, they eat alone, everything's done alone. So a big part of my role here now is is 
every day I'll, I'll have a check in with the injured group so there's four or five lads who are injured and I'll make sure you know I sit with them is everything all right make sure they are integrated and they're not just kind of left alone because yeah. you know it, it's not it's not something that's done purposely I think that isolation but I think it's brought on just by the pure mm. facts of the of the, yeah. the injury situation yeah, of course yeah yeah sure Paul so you, you mentioned there Paul another sort of area that like you found like was a bit challenging did you say like one of your moves or something did you have to sort of uh, jump ship somewhere or move further afield or yeah so that leaving Halifax it was you know I'd signed for Halifax to be away from all the lads that I'd already played with all my young career so I'd, I'd, I'd sort of I'd built up a bit of a love affair with the club to be honest with you you know it was uh, they gave me my debut at 16 they'd really looked after me um, and then all this came around with me going on the Great Britain tour and then the you know the hype that was around me and then it turned out that there was uh you know it was time to move when I came back so you know that dream was shattered so to speak because as far as I was concerned I'd have stayed there for all my career because yeah. I loved it it was uh it wasn't just about me it was about my parents it was about me you know my grandma and granddad yeah, were yeah. part of the furniture there as well so it was a big upheaval for everybody mm-hmm. um so that was that was difficult and trying to find that passion for your club again mm-hmm. you know which Luckily for me, I came to Salford and, like I said, I stayed for the rest of my career. So, you know, that passion came back tenfold. But just that thought process of, of am I going to enjoy my rugby as much as I did at Halifax? Am I going to mm-hmm. get on with everybody as much as I did at Halifax? And I did. I found that in abundance. Yeah, so, yeah. It was, you know, that in itself was a, a real big anxiety. That never really played out. You yeah. know, if anything, it, it went the opposite way and was a, yeah, was a real yeah. positive. Because I think I think sometimes, especially in elite sport, I think you come into new dressing rooms and you're almost like pressure on you straight away. So it's, especially if you're a really good player, because it's like almost like all oh, the other lad, the other lads are thinking, "Oh, Paul's in now. He'll so he'll win us a few points and stuff like that, and get a few tries." Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and and even if the lads aren't, again, this is a personal thing, isn't it? Even if the lads aren't thinking that, you you think that they're thinking that, and yeah, you yeah. think you have to overperform to try and get gain acceptance to be seen as. You know, a valuable new member of that yeah. team, and it is. It's a, it's a pressure we put on ourselves. But I think that's what sometimes makes you. Yeah. You know what, what can debilitate you can is what also makes you great as well. Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Cheers, Paul. So, uh, just coming sort of after your injury, there, Paul. You said like you were sort of struggling a little bit, like mentally with that. Did did you play? Did you manage to get another season or two? After that, or was it kind of coming towards the end when you when yeah, you done your no, arm? I got another four or five seasons. Right, okay. So it was. Again, in hindsight, looking back, I had the best part of a season out, and that probably prolonged my career a little bit because it allowed other little injuries, like I had a couple of calf injuries, an ankle, you know, my hands, wrists, things like that, and probably having that time allowed them to settle down and, be, and for them to be able to sort of heal properly. Whereas before that, I was playing on injections, I was playing through, you know, copious amounts of painkillers, you know, the, the amount of times I was brought into the changing rooms an hour before everybody else, before a game put on a drip and had like liquid tramadol put through me just to numb the pain and stuff and yeah. you know it's, it's no wonder I had the, the problems with the, <laughs> the tramadol after <laughs> so, so you, you're coming sort of to the end of your career Paul had you had you kind of put steps in place for that or were you were you kind of like going to go back to education or how did that play out did you choose when you retired or were you were you told I oh, would not renewing your contract or bit of both bit of both yeah. I uh, I was told I wasn't going to be kept kept on as a full time player at Salford but then but they were done in my um, testimonial so I kind of had, that was a bit of a bittersweet 
Um, but I had, a, I had a part-time club lined up, which fell in well with me finishing my degree. I was doing a sports performance and then sports marketing degree, and then I had um, plans to set up a business. So that time afforded me to be able to still pay my bills because I was playing part-time rugby, but I had all the time in the day to do my studies. So, yeah, I like to think I planned for that. And I, and I did one season as a part-time player uh, and then retired at the end of that because what I always said to myself and my family was, as soon as I stop enjoying it, I'll, I'll pack in because the, the, I hate to get to the point where I was resenting the sport. You know, it's afforded me a lifestyle and my family a lifestyle that, you know, I could only dream of. And to, to think that it was getting to the point where it was just a wage and it was out to tick over because I had nothing else, you know, would have really left it on a sour note. So, uh, yeah, I went back to you and he did that. And that transition period was quite smooth in terms of paying my bills and yeah. having something to get to get myself up for, really. Yeah, yeah. So was it, you know, like you sort of went into education, did, did you find it... Did you find it difficult coming away from your sport a bit? I mean, like, you get a lot of lads and they say, oh, you know, I'd love to stay on in a coaching capacity or I'd love to stay on, in, you know, in, in, involved in the club in some way. Also, some lads go into community stuff. But I always think that there's only so many jobs to go around and it's always difficult for people who've been in pro yeah. sport to stay in pro sport. Yeah. So was there any sort of times where you thought to yourself, you know, I wish I could sort of, like, just venture into mm. a, another career with Salford maybe? Or? Yeah, um... It, not at the time. I think when I, when I retired, I was ready to retire. You know, I'd had twenty years in the pro great game, and there were certain things that I was looking forward to not having to do again, and not be around, and not have the uh, you know the daily routine of being in and and having to conform. Really, you know, yeah, I was looking yeah. forward to the new chapter. Yeah. Um, but that did play out after about eighteen months. You know, I fell into some really bad um, depression, some addiction problems, and it, you know unbeknown to me you know I've been expert I've been sort of displaying signs of of stuff previous that I hadn't picked up on family members had mm-hmm. but I kind of just shunned it and you know so I was blessed that I got given the opportunity to come back to Salford when I did on the back of sort of having that car crash moment and yeah. reaching rock bottom really so yeah, to be yeah. back in in the sport is you know yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's yeah, yeah. a blessing really great, great stuff so I think you're sort of coming to like more player well-being sort of area now, Paul. That's what you're kind of working, yeah. which I think I think rugby, rugby league especially, have took that onto like new levels now, which yeah. is great to see. Um, is is there anything you'd like to sort of see more done in in rugby league, or do you think that do you think they've got a handle on the player mental health, or you know what would what would you like to see coming next? Yeah, I think the the mental health side of things, I think we've got it boxed off. Mm. We we really are at the forefront of sport, really, when it comes to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. The one thing that doing the job that I do now, what frustrate frustrates me, whether that's the right term, is getting the guys to acknowledge that this is there for them and this is there for them to use to their disposal and mm-hmm. you know and to use it to its fullest i think some guys only they see the welfare side of it as you go and see you go and tap into that welfare when you've kind of messed up yeah or yeah. you've you've been injured or you've been dropped or you think your career's over whereas in actual fact there's, there's things in place now to just to to make you a better player you know what i'm trying to get over to the guys is you know get on the education train you know mm-hmm. get yourself some work experience because if you've got something sorted off field your on field is going to improve because mm-hmm. it's not the be all and end all if you do get that injury or you do get dropped or you just basically fall out of love with the sport you've got something else yeah. there's yeah. nothing scarier than thinking I've got rugby and nothing else yeah. if this goes 
I've got nothing else and what I'm trying to get across to the guys is, is use this time now yeah. when you've got more time and more money than you probably know what to do with use that to your advantage and get things in place for the for, for after sport because it soon comes round and you know you can't have that it's going to last forever mentality these days because yeah, yeah. it's getting more and more physical this sport and you know that career ending injury can come at any time yeah definitely Paul so, so like some of the stuff that's going on in there is that there's a, st- a state of play isn't there because you know I keep an eye on like the social media yeah. stuff and uh, I think there's other other sort of different areas like doing work now that, that I've kind of seen and so what do they focus on Paul do they go around schools do they go around uh, rugby clubs do they go you know what, what's the sort of, how's it, how's it work like the, with the state of the mind so, yeah state yeah, of so, mind so we've, sorry, got, yeah, we've yeah. got state of mind we've got rugby league cares yeah and rugby league cares have took over the welfare as a whole now for rugby league um, and that, that's kind of a whole holistic approach to, to welfare so it's everything from education uh, through to mental health through to crisis loans crisis funds uh, benevolent type um, type work but in between that as well what we've set up is like a, a network for players or ex-players who've got businesses and trying to promote them within our sports which players using ex-players <coughs> businesses to sort of like yeah, yeah. promote them but keep it within the same network so it gives current players something to look at thinking ah oh, well he's he was a player he's now got his own plumbing and an engineering firm maybe we can go down that route and using using these people as exam- examples and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. we are doing a lot like I said but the big frustration for me is to getting the guys to understand mm-hmm. to tap into it while they're playing you know yeah. your profile's never bigger than it is when you're, when you're playing yeah. it's very hard to try and draw back on the fact that you know I was Paul the rugby player use it while you're still Paul the rugby player because yeah, then you yeah. can uh, you know you've got far more power mm-hmm. So over over the sort of generation, Paul, you was involved with rugby. League, I guess that yeah, I can just again re- relating this to sort of some of my football stuff. I bet the the culture's almost changed mm. incredibly. Like you know, I was involved in game early nineties, as as you know, and like massive drinking culture back then. You used to sort of any anything that you know you had a day off, and it was like it the beer. So I'm guessing rugby league now is coming to a more scientific yeah. culture, and yeah, science plays a huge part. Now I'd love to have been around in this era. Because um, I, I always had a, an eye on that off-field side. Like I said, I was always into going doing the sports psychology side of things, the yeah. sports hypnotherapy, yeah. you know, things like Reiki, yeah. you know, yeah. acupuncture. Yeah. I'd yeah. try anything to give me that little bit of an edge. Whereas now, the amount of science that's been brought into it and the sports science, it's, it's phenomenal. And But with that, comes a lot more expectation, a lot more, um, what's the word from, you know, the players expect more and want yeah, more and need yeah. more and I find, I find there's not as much sort of they're not as resilient the players as kind of we needed we had to be because you sort of you got on with things and you yeah. you know yeah. which I'm not saying is a good thing because you know yeah. that put up and shut up and you just get on yeah, yeah. was probably one of my downfalls yeah. but you, you, we did seem to be a lot more resilient back there whereas now it's kind of like any little niggle any little sort of something that's just not right you get pulled and it's mm-hmm. and it's yeah that for me is a frustration because i've still got my old school head on me <laughs> yeah. working in the uh you know the new era yeah yeah so is the would you say would you say the culture's kind of changed Paul, in relation to is it still macho sport you know lads who just want to be like ah this didn't dress room and yeah. all that or yeah. is that yeah it's, still, it's a tough sport Paul, yeah. isn't it? it's, it's hard sport and we've still got that we've still got that kind of who's cocking the changing room type of thing but one thing and, and I, I'm quite proud to say that you know I've been a big part of standing up and saying you know 
I played rugby for 20 years and you know, I, I tried to persist to portray myself as being this rough, tough, nothing bothers me type person, yeah. and my head fell off. Yeah. And yeah. more and more players are coming out now and talking about the struggles that they've gone through, and we're getting more and more current players, which is really bringing them barriers down. So that machismo aspect of the sport is still there, but yeah. there's a real nice, soft, yeah, understand, yeah, like an almost like a, a better understanding yeah. now that, yeah. that's going on. And because there's loads of times I'd love to stand stood up in the changing room, and said, "Fellas, you know what." I'm struggling a bit. Come in. I'll go, I'll take you off for a coffee after this, and I'll tell you how I'm feeling. Yeah, They'd yeah, have filled yeah. me in if I'd have done that. <laughs> no, it's you know what I mean. Whereas now, yeah, people are aware who who they can go and talk to. Certain players within the group are our kind of mental health ambassadors. Yeah. They've got me. You know, our coach is very very understanding in that respect as well. So it's a it's a far more like safe environment to be able to say, you know, this this isn't right at the minute, and I need some help. Yeah, yeah, sure, Paul. So what what would you say? What would you like to see, Paul, in relation to, to going forward with player sport? Just just keep just keep growing it, I guess, and yeah. and keep improving it. And any specific ideas where where it could go next, or anything you'd like to see more of? Uh, you know what? I think sport itself it writes its own rules, and you know, you, just when you think you've got it boxed off and we've ticked them boxes, something else will raise his head. And I think that's what the beauty of sport is. You know it is adaptable and it, it will roll with those punches and you know you will have your car crash moments from certain people but what we do in sport is we learn from those things and i think using the players as we are in all sports that stand up and and say that you know i've gone through this i've gone through that and this is where i've come and using them as examples you know the sport any sport can only improve but for me it's just uh, it is the it's the welfare side of it yeah. you know gone are the days now where a sportsman you know you just dare to do a job you do a job and when you're finished you get a pat on the back thanks for your efforts good luck in the next stage of your career yeah yeah just that keep you know keep looking after after the the, the athletes because the the dedication and the the time and effort that goes into to being a sportsman mm. you know is phenomenal and I think it's great when clubs and organisations recognise players for their efforts and then keep them within the within systems which I think some sports are really good at it mm-hmm. some sports are really good at it some aren't mm-hmm. and I think our sport rugby league is poor mm-hmm. I have to say that it's yeah. very poor you know the amount of jobs previous to this I've applied for mm-hmm. within our sport and didn't get to somebody who's been fresh out of university or come from tennis or somewhere like that and their policy was you know we have a fair employment policy if you're not the right person for the job you don't get it whereas I've applied for jobs in football and a footballer gets it yeah applied for jobs in golf a golfer gets it they look after their own and I think some some sports are great at it some aren't so I think you know for me it's it's looking after looking after your own and recognizing you know the efforts that those athletes have put in over the years and just keep keep but keep that mental health and that, mm. that welfare side of things is, is yeah. paramount so it's hugely really important while they're getting that message out there isn't it and, yeah yeah you know like we, we read every, all the time like some of these damning statistics about like suicides like the biggest killer of men now over from 35 to 45 yeah. it's, it's incredible yeah. isn't it and, yeah it's massive you know, and, so. and, it, and even that, that's even more heightened within sport because of that so like that kind of fall from grace you know i used to be this i'm only that now well you know that was exactly the mentality I had. My family didn't think that. My friends didn't think that. But in my head, I was I was failing. You know, yeah. I wasn't earning the money I was earning. The notoriety locally wasn't there. 
you know, it's amazing how quick, how quick your phone goes quiet when you retire, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Paul. You know, you're nobody so wants true. tickets off you anymore. Oh, Can I get us a signed shirt with this? Yeah, I know. It's so true. It's so true. So just to just to round up, Paul, what would you what would you kind of be? You know, for any any sort of younger listener or anyone who's interested in in making a career in rugby league, uh, what 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 would you be your final message for like a young sixteen year old now just starting off? Um, probably that le- managing your level of expectation as well. You know, to make it an elite sport these days is is tough. You know, the statistics, the percentages of people who do actually make it are, are very small. And just to make sure you have got something else, you know, don't put all your eggs in in one basket in terms of it's going to be rugby or nothing. You know, yeah. I've found and there's research papers out there um, about people, you know, those that have got the off-field life sorted, how how their performances take off, and mm-hmm. you know, I think it's so important to have a backup. I think it's so important to have, you know, other interests, and you know, gone are the days these days where you say you've got to be a hundred percent on your on your on your sport and on this. For me, that's not healthy. You've got to have something that allows you to switch off, something that allows you to be you. You know, don't be defined by your sport. Be mm-hmm. defined, you know, yeah. blaze your own trail, as yeah, they say. Absolutely. Paul, thanks so much for giving me some of your time and, no and rounding up that podcast. I really appreciate it. And, you know, so you're someone who I really respect a lot, like having your, your issues to deal with and, and, and facing them head on and then battling back and, and pushing on now and, and developing some great support for the rugby league lads here. So no. much appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure.